Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, November 11th, 2018, on the basis of John 5, verses 24 through 29. So have you ever felt judged? There aren't many words in the English language that conjure up a more negative reaction in us than that word judge. It's very easy for us to think that the ideal world would be a place that is absolutely free of any and all judging. And so it's no wonder that in so many ways we try to eliminate the judging from our lives. And probably the easiest place to start is with the judging that comes from other people. We tell ourselves not to be bothered by what other people say. We tell ourselves to ignore the critics, to tune out the haters. We tell ourselves that the only opinion of us that matters is our own. But that introduces a problem all unto itself, of course. See, we quickly find out that very often the cruelest critic and the biggest hater of us is, well, it's simply us. We look at our lives, we look at our behavior at home, we look at our performance at work, we look at our diet and exercise habits, we look at the tax bracket that we belong to, and we find all kinds of things that we don't like. We start looking around to compare ourselves to other people, finding plenty of reason to feel superior to some, but probably reason to feel inferior to even more. We tell ourselves that the only opinion of us that matters is our own, but we quickly find out that our opinion of us often isn't very good. And so we seek to eliminate that judging as well. Enter the latest new craze of what's called mindfulness. I certainly don't want to issue a blanket condemnation of the entire concept of mindfulness. I don't know enough about it to be qualified to, but I did do some interesting reading this week about one specific aspect of mindfulness, a a tendency or a technique, I should say, that's known as labeling. So the basic idea is that anytime you identify a negative thought that you are having, you you identify it, you slap a label on it, and that enables you to sort of distance yourself from it. So you notice that you're looking at yourself and being very, very critical. Label it. You notice that you're looking around, comparing yourself to other people, constantly seeing how you measure up. Label it. You notice that there is all too much judging going on in your life and in your own head, and so what do you do? You label it. Do you see the problem? For starters, really all you're doing there is creating a vacuum. It's easy enough to take any negative thought and sort of eliminate it from your head, eliminate it from your life, but that still leads to the question of what are you going to replace it with? And secondly, we're told that the way to get rid of all of that judging in our life is by labeling it, which is sort of just a fancy word for judging it, right? So our quest for less judging, actually often leads to more judging. So what's the solution? Well, we're in the middle of this series entitled, Live Like You'll Live Forever. And the verses that are in front of us today really are all about this concept of judging. How do we get through life not constantly feeling down about ourselves, not constantly feeling criticized, How do we get through life not constantly comparing ourselves to other people, constantly wondering how we're going to measure up? The solution that these verses presents is quite different from the one that we often pursue. Not less judging, just different judging. The right 
judging. As we look at these verses from the Gospel of John today, we're going to learn this important lesson, that when it comes to the final word about you, tune out every single voice except one. It's rather interesting that the situation that led up to Jesus saying these words was that Jesus himself had been on the receiving end of some judging. It was the Jewish leaders who had decided that Jesus had broken sort of their own definition of God's law and therefore he needed to be criticized, and so that's what they did. In fact, that's often how judging from other people works, right? Someone comes up with their own arbitrary definition of what is good or bad, what is right or wrong, what is success or what is failure, and then they use that arbitrary definition to criticize, to evaluate someone else. That's what had happened to Jesus. What's interesting is that the way that Jesus responds to that judging is not by saying, you know what, I don't care what you guys think. After all, haters going to hate, right? I don't care what you guys think. The only opinion about me that matters is my own. No, Jesus instead entrusts the final word about him to someone else. As is the case here and in many other cases, Jesus entrusts the final word, the final judgment about him to his Father in heaven. And then he turns around and he encourages us to do the very same. Not to seek less judging, just to seek different judging, just to seek the right judging. You see, just as the final word about Jesus belonged to his Father in heaven, so also the final word about us belongs to Jesus. Jesus said it this way. He said, Very truly I tell you that whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So Jesus is saying that the one voice that matters about you, the one voice does not belong to someone else. That one voice does not belong to you. That voice belongs to Jesus. He says whoever listens to Jesus' voice has already passed the test. The verdict is already in. They have crossed over from death to life and will not be condemned. And of course, sadly, the opposite is true for those who don't listen to the voice of Jesus. Not less judging, just different judging, just the right judging. Jesus is telling us to tune out every single voice except just one. So really, when it comes to this whole topic of judging, when it comes to the final word about us, really there are three options. One is to let that word be spoken by other people. Most people today realize that that's not a good idea. If you are obsessed with what other people think about you, that is not a healthy thing. Inevitably, you will be enslaved to trying to make other people happy. You will do whatever it takes. You will be, no be nothing more than a people pleaser. And then when what happens to you, or what happened to Jesus happens to you, when someone comes up with their own arbitrary definition of right and wrong, good and bad, success and failure, and they use that to criticize you, you'll be absolutely crushed. So no, that's not a good idea. Option two is to let that final word about you be spoken by you. To have the only opinion about you that matters to be your very own. That's sort of the one that we're tinkering with, I think, these days. How do you think the experiment is working? I don't know how long it goes back, but it certainly has been around as long as I have been around, that from a very early age, children who come into the world today are told by just about everyone how awesome they are. Everyone gets a trophy. 
everyone gets a ribbon. Every piece of art that comes home goes up on the fridge. Every straight A goes up there as well. And I'm not even saying that's a bad or awful thing, but the point is this. If ever there were a generation of people who should walk around completely self-assured, completely calm and confident, completely comfortable in their own skin, it should be today's youth. Is that what we see happening? No, instead, the very same people who have maybe been told more than any other group of people in the history of the world how great they are, are the very same people who really struggle to not hate themselves, to not hate their lives and everything in it. Of course, it's not just young people. We all know what it's like to leave the opinion about us up to ourselves. We all know what it's like that when left to the thoughts in our own head, how critical we can be. We all know what it's like to constantly be looking around and comparing ourselves to other people. I could tell you in embarrassing detail about some of the other churches in our church body all over the country who are kind of in the same boat that we are, churches that started about the same time. I can tell you how big they are. I can tell you how fast they're growing. I can tell you what kind of facilities they're in. I can tell you about some of the efforts that they are using to reach out to the lost in their communities. Why? Is it because all of those things are, are available to us on the internet and social media? Well, I suppose. But really it's because we love to look around and compare. If the opinion about us is left up to us, inevitably we will form that opinion by comparing ourselves to others. So that's not a good idea either. The third option is to tune out every voice except Jesus' voice, a voice that is completely different, completely distinct from all the rest. It's not a voice that turns to us and says, look at you. Look how awful you are. Look at what a disgusting, disgusting human being you are. It's not a voice that looks at you and says, look how awesome you are. Look how fantastic you are. You are the best person ever. No, it's a voice that says something different and better than both. It turns to you and it says, in spite of all of your failures, and they are many, you have been covered by Jesus' successes. It's a voice that looks to you and says, all of your sins, and they are many, have been completely covered by Jesus' perfection. It's a voice that says, all of your disappointments, and they are many, have been completely covered by Jesus' approval. It's no wonder that Jesus wants us to tune out every single voice except that one. But do you think it'll hold up? Do you think it'll work? Do you think it'll get us through life's most difficult circumstances? I mean, talk is cheap, right? In fact, the constant praise that everyone is heaping on each other around the clock sort of proves it, right? It's not really doing anything. So, so will Jesus' voice somehow be different? How do we know that his voice is credible? How do we know it's legit? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. He says this, Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. So Jesus is saying, here's how you will know that you can trust my voice. 
that my voice has credentials, that my voice is legit. He says, I will use that very same voice to speak to dead people and call them back to life. Jesus is referring to the resurrections that he would perform during his life on earth using nothing more than his voice. We, we saw one of those last week as we looked at the resurrection of Lazarus. And then Jesus goes on to say, and don't be surprised when that happens, because one day that very same voice will speak across the whole world and all who are in their graves will come out. How do you know that Jesus' voice is different? It's because it can call people, dead people back to life. But it's interesting the way Jesus says this. There's more going on here that we need to take notice of. That word that is used for grave doesn't refer to the hole in the ground where someone's body is lying. Instead, it refers to the stone that marks the location. And what's interesting is that that word for grave comes from the very same word in the Greek language that means to remember. In fact, we sort of have the same effect in the English language with our word monument. That word monument comes from the Latin word that means to remember. So the point is this. That monument, that tombstone that marks the place of our grave is something by which we remember people. In fact, it's sort of the last word that is spoken over that person. And the funny thing is that we can put all of the flowery descriptions on that tombstone that we want. We can say loving spouse, faithful father, whatever the case might be. But the reality is that that tombstone itself, that monument says something completely different. It says something very, very powerful about us. Its verdict about us is simple and indisputable. Dead. That monument, that tombstone says, no matter how faithful you were, you weren't faithful enough. It says no matter how loving you were, you weren't loving enough. It says no matter how kind how gifted, how talented someone was. They weren't those things enough. That tombstone says this about each and every person who rests beneath it. It says that they were not able to do the simplest and most basic thing that human beings were created to do, to live. I mean, imagine if we did this with anything else in our lives. Look at this remote control. It's great, best remote control ever. It serves as a great paperweight. It can be used to prop up a leg on a wobbly table. One time I even used it to pound in a loose nail. Best remote control ever. Well, does it actually turn on the TV? Well, no, but it does all those other things. That tombstone, no matter what we might put on it, no matter what we might say about each other, no matter what we might say about ourselves, that tombstone gets the last word. That tombstone renders a final verdict and a final judgment. at least until, until the voice of the Son of God goes out and that tombstone loses all of its power. Until the voice of the Son of God goes out and the people who are resting beneath those tombstones come to life, stand up, and walk out of their graves on their own two feet right past that very tombstone. Jesus is saying more than the fact that his voice has the power over death. He's saying that his verdict is more powerful than death's verdict. His verdict is the one that counts. His verdict is the one that lasts forever. And friends, that is the verdict 
that belongs to all those who put their trust in him. That is the verdict that belongs to you right here, right now. Do you think that could make a little bit of a difference? If we tried a little bit more to tune out every other voice in our life except, except that one? Do you think that might make a difference in terms of how much we care about the opinions of other people? Do you think it might set us free from the prison of our own self-criticism and our own constant comparison to other people? There's really no telling the difference that this could make in our life if we could live in the joy of that judgment. If we could live like we will live forever. So do it. Listen to that voice. In fact, of the two parts of the encouragement that comes from these verses, one part is really, really tough. One part is really, really easy. Tune out every single voice. That's the tough part. No matter how hard we try, no matter how good at mindfulness we are, those, those voices of criticism will always creep back in. But don't tune out the one voice. Listen to that voice. That's the easy part. Make an hour in God's house, the one hour of the week that can't be touched. Spend a few less minutes scrolling through your Facebook feed and a few more minutes with your Bibles opened. Care as much about teaching your children about Jesus as you do about teaching them a jump shot. Sing with your children, not just when their favorite song on the Top 40 radio station comes on, but sing with them before they go to bed the hymns of the faith that echo the voice of Jesus. That's, that's the easy part. We might never be able to tune out every other voice, but we can surely listen to one. And friends, rest assured, there's that one voice that you will never, ever want to tune out. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.